Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Jay. Hi, Marie. And hi, listeners. Welcome to Dispatches from the Kardashian Simulacrum. Where we process our media theory takeaways and other hot takes from last night's episode of the Kardashians. That's right. And MJ, I think we forgot to do this last time. So um, will you please define what a simulacrum is? We kind of touched on it when we did our little NPC segment, but I just want to have like a clean definition for anyone joining us so they understand a little bit. Our perspective. Yes. Our framework. Well, just to be consistent with the vibe, like the MJ and Marie brand responds to the kardashian brand with a sort of futuristic technology forward framework so i thought i would ask chat gpt as like you know to be on brand so the ai of chat gpt tells me a simulacrum is a concept originally influenced by jean baudrillard french philosopher who explores postmodernism a lot postmodernism in a way that like really overlaps with media theory a simulacrum is a representation or copy of something that has lost its original meaning or connection to reality. Mm. So it's a simulated version or a hyper real representation that stands on its own, detached from any authentic reference point. Baudrillard, now we're leaving chat GPT. Oh my gosh, wow, it went in. Chat GPT like went in and it does acknowledge the Disneyland example. That's like the famous Baudrillardian example. He talks about how Disneyland was the the essence is sort of meant to like imitate like a little village like a little world but at the end of the day like Disneyland kind of stands on its own it's a world within a world uh video games are simulacra they're their own little constructed worlds you get lost in them and we like to say that the Kardashians have created their own simulacrum yes because by definition they literally have yeah and we all live in it yeah, we get pulled so, into it when we watch the show. Yes, and so do <sighs> their children. <laughs> um, okay, so. It's hitting me all over again that the Kardashian children live in the Truman Show. And when there was an episode in season 20 of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and the whole idea is that the Kardashians recognize, encouraged by Scott, actually, to consider that, that that is the condition of the Kardashian children's lives. I kind of was like, oh, they're off shooting it onto the kids or making it a cute little mini thing that they all live in the Truman show. 
But then I really realized, no, 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 it was completely, I realized this like two weeks ago. It was incredibly accurate that they focused on the kids and the Truman Show existence because mm-hmm. the kids have been monitored since birth. I, it didn't fully click. Yeah. So anyway, the Truman Show, the reality sea haven that Truman lives in, that is also a simulacrum. Which is a great movie for those who have not seen it. It's, it's the best. Like required viewing. Yeah, required reading for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Our first takeaway we've titled The Most Medicine That We've Seen So Far. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. So, MJ, will you please explain what we mean? Yeah. Um, Scott, Chloe, and Kim are sitting around lounging aristocratically as they do um processing audience feedback to the new hulu show and now and then the kardashians will give us a scene that is so self-referential that is so implosive within itself conceptually that i'm just like as a postmodern viewer of the show as kardashian colloquium like i am in heaven and this is one of those moments. I would put it on par with perhaps like the moment in, I don't know, season 12, I think it was, when Kylie sits there and she tells her sisters, I wasn't meant to be famous. Mm-hmm. This weird moment. They do that. There's It's I, it's like I want to tag these scenes mm-hmm. to like live in a category of their own. So they're sitting around and they are discussing audience feedback and they're reading a review of the season one, I think maybe season two of their show. And I looked it up. I I searched like because they show a picture of it, and I looked up some of the sentences to find it as a variety review of their show. Um, that's critical of how it mostly focuses on their their super curated present depiction of just basically their work lives and their brands. It's basically the common criticism, which is that it's become more curated and polished than ever, and not relatable. And um, they are kind of doing the thing that all humans do of like reading the criticism and then kind of venting to each other being like, what are they talking about? It's saying that Chloe doesn't share enough. Chloe shares enough. What's interesting is that that isn't accurate. Mm-hmm. Chloe does share it. That's what we talked about in the last episode. For sure. Podcasts. Yeah. No, Chloe does. And well, it's almost one of those things where it's like telling and not showing where they're just like wanting it to be true mm-hmm. so that it is like, and she's like, Kim is saying like, Chloe and I give that actually, that part is true, but they give in different ways and they're giving in ways that they're not representing in that conversation. Yes. So they're being defensive about it and they start basically speaking to the viewer. They speak directly to us because like Marie said, Kim says, Chloe and I give, we give over so much of ourselves to, and, and it, and it speaks to the fact that the, the, fundamental understanding of a reality show the social contract of a reality show is that there is production and consumption Mm -hmm. of lives and the commodity is themselves and Mm -hmm. so it's this battle that's them being like we do enough you're getting enough accept what you get and like look at like we care like and then the question is do they really care they seem heated they seem pretty heated about it and then also the as I predicted when I had my little interview with Interview Magazine, I said, like, they're going to be closing the parasocial loop with the audience. And you can tell right off the bat, they established that last episode that they're going to be speaking to the discourse that's been circulating about them. And so this moment captured that in a very contained five minute 
they're reading a review and they're speaking back to it kind of way. Mm-hmm. And it really is. I mean, yeah, exactly. The parasocial loop is, it's such an interesting, it's interesting to me too, not only because they do, they get meta all the time. They break the fourth wall all the time. We already know that there's like this whole media feedback loop that kind of solar system that the show that revolves around the show. And then the show is the way to ground all of that information, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And, and they process that in that conversation, Scott's saying, I think the show is a centerpiece to the whole franchise. Like they're processing the function and the value of the show as the world gets bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and like more and more the processing of the show and what the show has created and the whole solar system becomes like a narrative for the show. Like, I guess that's all I'm trying to say. No, no, it's still meta, still meta. The fact that the, it is, a, it is actually like a, a source of drama in narrative moving forward that they have to now deal with this, that they are now grappling with audience dissatisfaction with what they're putting out. That's really interesting. And it also contradicts a theory that I've put out there, which is that the show isn't a centerpiece. The show is connective Mm -hmm. tissue. I don't know how important the show is. So the fact that they're telling us, no, it matters. I want to understand that. And we see the function of the show for the rest of the episode. That was the realest it got besides like the striking image of Chloe's melanoma and the stitches, which they put a lot of like energy around the rest of Courtney's screen time. Kylie's screen time is all the perfect example of the Kardashians TV show as a commercial for their brands. Um, So the realest we got was again, Chloe carrying it with like a big wound on her face. But then also this moment on the couch where Kim Scott and, uh, Chloe are just venting about feeling like their show is not being received sufficiently. So at some point uh, in this scene, this meta scene of the, the Kim Scott and Chloe venting, Kim during her confessional says, now I understand why music artists get frustrated when fans are attached to their older stuff. And she's like, it's, it's like, you know, people evolve. The content's going to mm-hmm. be different. She even refers to, by the way, to her life as content. She calls it content. She says, we give so much real content. And I don't know, maybe it's useful for them to remind us of that because that's probably true, you know? I mean, for sure. I think that's like a larger... They're also just observing something that happens online all the time with everyone where it's like everyone is constantly judged by... Like, everyone's life online is understood as the present. So like, even though you evolve as a person, whatever you've put online is being judged as if it's happening in real time in the context of the world that we live in today. And it's that weird, like computer, like perfection, like you have to have the perfect take, the best take, the the least offensive take, you know what I mean? So it's like, it is just like, um, that happens to everyone, whether you're Kardashian or not. So it's obviously going to happen to them too. And it also like, Something about that reminds me of what Sammy Sage told us for our web series a few years ago. In that interview, she said, like, she believes that influencers have, like, a life cycle where there's, like, the initial, like, the audience encounters a figure online. And there's that initial, like, flush of excitement, the dopamine of something new. But then over time, they become part of your social media routine. And then you kind of, like, get over them. And it's disposable. And I think the Kardashians are like, not necessarily grappling that with that, because I believe that even the discourse about their change still has people mm-hmm. in a chokehold, even if it's like there's less of like a parasocial, it's not even true, even if there's less of like an attachment to like what feels like the raw mm-hmm. stuff. It's just like 
idea of like we've evolved and like what you're getting now is going to be what it looks like to be a billionaire with a bunch of brands totally you know that's what we're getting and then like melanoma for sure yeah no that's it's exactly what we're getting it's like we're getting like a few Mm. fluffy nostalgia pieces here and there to give people what they want but then we're also getting like where their life's at which actually brings us beautifully to the next point, which we titled Matriarchy and Makeup, and it's Kylie's moment. So Kylie and her friend are in Milan. She's there allegedly because that's where her makeup is made or something. And we see her kind of like musing on the function of makeup and what she loves about the industry and what she kind of like got into it for. And the backdrop of all of this is Kylie visiting specifically the lab where her cosmetics are made. And it's very like, we're watching pretty colors be made in jars. And this reminds us because we also see it in Courtney's moment on the episode when she's planning her like Lemmy drop. They basically give us like a sense of BTS of the production of these products because they are commercial Literally. products. And like Edward Bernays, who's like the godfather of public relations and pretty much so many media theorists talk about the importance of attaching narrative and anything personal, any sense of urgency, any sense of insight to the production process to a product. And so that's what these shows function to do. Kylie's in this like lab, like tinkering around. And she says some interesting things about the product. Would you like to take the thing I noticed that was interesting of what she was saying is like makeup is such a form of self-expression. Like everyone does it differently. And that's, you know, the beauty of it. That's what's so great about it. And to me, that's interesting because that's definitely not how they approached it before. They never explicitly said it was different than that, but like, obviously they were setting a standard of beauty with how they sold their products before. And it's just going back to like, this whole parasocial feedback loop being closed this season and that being a huge theme because clearly now they're they're trying to sell it as like, no, like it's for everyone. It's inclusive. Like they're definitely trying to get a little bit more inclusive. We'll say they're more inclusive. And like, but beyond that, because I do think that Kim's party line always used to be whatever makes you you, whatever makes you happy. There's still this like Americana individualism mm-hmm. and how, sold their products but i think what felt different about kylie saying everyone can do their makeup differently it departs from the streamlined kardashification makeup style kind of thing so it's sort of like they don't they they aren't saying like if you do drag do drag makeup if you want to be a kardashian face be a kardashian face but i think that's what's being implied like there are there's a utility to the kylie cosmetics that's not to just have kardashian face it's like the TikTok generation can do their pink eyeshadow any way they want and it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's like an application for makeup that can be personalized. That they don't have never done with their makeup. You right, I mean? right, right, right. So you're saying like that's what's So what are you saying is ex... what are you saying is different in essence this time around? What's different in essence is past marketing of their cosmetics whether it's kim's or kylie's they'll be showing us how to do it they'll be doing their tutorials on their social media accounts and it's sort of like if you want a face like mine here's how to use my makeup to make it kardashian face for Mm -hmm. the ig and now it's sort of like makeup's different for everyone our makeup can be a tool for your like individualized right and they don't abandon the idea of like a passing down of an aesthetic though, because one other thing that I found interesting about this moment with Kylie was 
she talks about like um intergenerational like inheritance of like the makeup tradition she talks about putting her mom's makeup on and now she's making her own makeup and just the idea that like you learn from like the elder women in Mm -hmm. your life that's a very kardashian thing to pass these like ideas on also the idea of like consumption like she was wearing her mom's makeup now she's making Mm -hmm. makeup like that process is such a kardashian thing but anyway that's sort of what i found interesting about for sure and they get stormy in the mix for it yes they have they're walking around the lab with for sure well and like whatever like pop-up thing in london they have her like one for mommy one for stormy so that brings us to the next point a little more kylie yes we this is called kylie's on the ground nostalgia this was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Kylie's now in London. She's checking out the debut of some Kylie lip stuff at the fancy department store that all of you UK listeners are going to know about. Haraz? Was that what it was? Is that I what it's called? I, I think. So she was at a fancy department store. And there's a bunch of people there. It's a big hyped thing. But after she and stormy kind of like check it all out and have their like photo op they're lunching with a few choice kylie companions and she's bragging to her friends saying kendall and i were so cool we used to go to malls for pack sun events and shut them down there would be thousands of people there and they were so excited we were so cool and the irony obviously is this is contrasted to going to a pack sun event for the uk listeners pack sun's like a very like middle america mall brand like i wore packs on jeans like every day to high school um to kylie's like having like little finger sandwiches in a you know high-end london restaurant after seeing her product on the shelves at this high-end department store and so i think there's meant to be a little bit of irony obviously there's nostalgia and the idea that what was really cool was being a mall girl and speaking to the mall girls attracting the mall girls and the mall fans and it was just, it's interesting. And is the, is the idea that she was even more on the ground interacting with more fans. What's cool is it that she was doing it with her sister, Kendall, because she goes on in the scene to FaceTime Kendall and say, I was just telling them that we were so cool. Um, was it the sister memories? You know, like what made it cool? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm proud of my, my suburban girl roots, but like, yeah. is that what they're speaking to? I mean, that's kind of how I saw it. Like, I think it was kind of like, because the essence of all Kardashians. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The essence of all Kardashian brands is its accessibility. Like they've always wanted to speak to like middle America, like mall demographics. And so... (laughs) like people going to malls and buying their stuff. So like they realize, I think they're very aware that it can be very alienating what the reality of their life is now. So I think that was just like a nod to like, Hey, like we love middle-class people still. Like we're like, that was the real cool shit. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's a way to bring those people in again, that they might be alienating now. Yeah, no, it's interesting. They are the essence of like any truly like great American conglomerate is like the marriage of high and low. And like what I like to say is high end every day. And they do this with um, or the best example is actually from our video essay, how Kim made herself as she was climbing still very visible in Paris. It was a big deal. She made a very big thing of it when she started being invited to Paris Fashion Week. But she would, you know, her skin's prices are still more mall friendly mall-esque and accessible and this idea of like you're getting the influence of this highbrow stuff but like we're still here to be like crazy sisters who wrestle on the floor sometimes together for sure right so it feels like by buying a skims product or by buying a kylie product it's like you're getting both yes Mm -hmm. totally yeah that was interesting but the best that they can do to illustrate that for us now is literally kylie reminiscing and calling her sister and telling her, you know, telling her friends, like, really, really, we used to do this, and it was great. And, like, while she sits in this, like, fancy restaurant, you know, they can't, they can't perform access to the middle class or, like, the middle brow anymore, because it's simply, like, probably, it's not, it's just not as, okay, their idea of going to Disney is, like, basically shutting it down to go to Disneyland, you know, like, it's not, it can't be visually enacted, physically enacted the same. Totally. Fascinating. And then, yeah, final point on the Kylie stuff is that, they're also using these scenes that she was in to establish her as like an active business contributor again. Cause mm-hmm. she, she's like, Oh, I took a few years off. I needed to be a mom and now I'm back. So we'll just have to see like how that actually plays out. Yeah. I mean, really the Kardashians is, I've always said is a reality show about a reality show, but Kardashians Hulu is a reality show about business women and it's not going to be giving us the granular like real moments of like their enterprises or their decisions but it's it's like little mini docu dramas about them being business spaces new media business spaces so that's what we saw of courtney which we're not really going to get into in this episode and that's what we saw of kylie um and they're always holding their kids hands in the process and it is what it is Hmm. okay Lovely. We're getting through it. Let's talk about our next takeaway, which is Scott's presence as absence or mm-hmm. absence as presence. Now it is. Now it is. Because basically Scott's absence was greatly felt in the first two seasons. So this is yet another case of them letting us know 
we here for you. <laughs> reference succession. Yes. Um, and there, and I'm guessing that there was always knowledge that Scott would be back, that they would to add some flex of drama, some tension, some wondering, some engagement where Scott, um, now he's here. He was absent for the first two seasons. He didn't really have a place in the first. I mean, he was around for the first, for season one, actually. Let me take that back. He was around for season one when Kim was prepping for some Balenciaga thing. And then he was largely absent season two. So the best media theory takeaway we can offer you guys, I think, for this is that a Scott has always brought some sense of the real. You can't you can't curate like the desperation that you can feel from Scott, <laughs> um, and and the jester role he's always played to the brand. He's been crucial to the brand from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really ruptured their like hyper reality at times because with the kind of like drunk behavior and like self destructive behavior that there there are images of Scott flung over a security guard's shoulder like half conscious on a real bad rock bottom bender in the broad daylight like very gnarly scenes scott has brought to the table that you can't make up for um, sure so now here he is he's back and also derrida to give you guys like some philosophy takeaways has written in very inaccessible complex texts about how in the binary between presence and absence when there's something so established so um presumed which is scott is part of the kardashian brand mm-hmm that is absent then it's still very very present and i wrote about that in terms of pete davidson the assumption that like pete was assumed to be on the show and when he wasn't after such a publicized romance with kim kardashian then he was still present because he was absent mm-hmm. the same for scott so now scott has fulfilled his he's fulfilled his absent presence right and i also think it's interesting because in lieu of the Kanye stuff, in lieu of the Pete stuff, like they were just talking about how like uh, the fans like get mad when like people the the high drama people in their lives don't want to be cast members. Okay, mm-hmm. well, like Scott's a great stand-in for that. He's always going to be there to be like the understudy for that because he was like the original one. And he even says, he says, like, you guys, I'm here. I'm available. I want to be part of it. And right. then they make a joke, like, oh, put a wig on and you'll be a Kardashian sister. So he even says, like, I could count as cast. Yeah, he's down to be cast. He needs a job for sure. But, like, let's, like, totally break that down, you guys. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> like, let's really just, like, name that for what it is. The idea that, like, there are people documenting their lives, but it's not home movies. Kim calls, uses the term cast. So it's also labor. It's also structured. It's also a world. It's the simulacrum. When you join the simulacrum and you're active mover and maker of it, you are cast. It's just what's, I mean, like it is what it is. It's a status of existence in the Kardashian simulacrum to be cast or not cast, you know? Yes. It's very like on the nose, like they they don't call it a simulacrum, but it is like, they're very aware of who like exits and enters the simulacrum. And they're very like, real about that Mm -hmm. they're serious about that rather kim is clear that kanye was not cast pete was not cast therefore they were not central to the narratives right that that distinction is what's like very interesting like the that they are when they're being defensive to us the audience for our feedback about wanting to see the full scope of their lives and relationships 
And Kim counters that by saying in her confessional, well, they're not cast. So what do you, what do you want? It, it reminds us of like, there are barriers to those narratives based on like these figures who are characters in the Kardashians lives, but that does not mean that the full scope of their stories can be told because they're not, those people are not cast. Then it's back to like this as a production. Yeah. They're not part of the narratives that they're writing. Yeah. Yeah. We're grappling with it more than I think people can like, like, I don't know if you guys know what we mean. (laughs) I don't even know if we're doing it. I think we're, I think we're, I don't know. I, I mean, I think we're being clear. It's kind of, I think that's clear. Well, to bring it back to Truman Show, it's sort of like what Kim is doing by emphasizing that those people are not cast. She is pointing her finger to the sky wall that Truman's boat runs into when he tries to surpass the simulacrum of the world. Yes. And it's also like those people are not cast. They're not serving the narrative that is going to like sell XYZ thing or... um, suit the kardashian narrative no exactly Mm -hmm. they're letting us know baldly plainly yeah you're getting our fucking narratives you guys get mad that we control the narrative so much but like we never said we didn't control it right and like you're watching yeah (laughs) and speaking of kim our very final takeaway of season three episode two is another high fashion debut for kim mj would you care to explain Yeah, I feel like it spoke to me more then and I didn't take enough notes about what spoke to me about it. And now that we're here, I'm kind of like, it's really just straightforward. Kim has the opportunity to creative direct a show for Dolce & Gabbana. So the the stage is being set for what we know will be a Kim and Courtney drama with Dolce & Gabbana at the center of it. We can safely assume that the Kardashians are using conflict narratives to promote one of their high-scale partnerships just as we saw Valenciaga at the center of the Kimye divorce last year and they're putting a lot of emphasis on this is going to be another case of really getting to know Kim's creative vision and Kim has had a lot of encounters with major high fashion houses in the past few years between Skims and Fendi as a collaboration Kim and Balenciaga Kim walked the Balenciaga couture show last season and now she's a sensibly creative directing Dolce & Gabbana. And she makes a comment in a confessional saying, not too long ago, I didn't even know if I could dress myself. So it's just a little epilogue statement to the Kim dilemma that was kind of um, narrated in, I think, season one, which was, who is Kim going to be without Kanye? How is Kim going to dress without Kanye? Which, for what it's worth, did reflect a discourse that was um, popular at, at that time. In the immediate aftermath of the Kimye separation, people were saying, what's Kim Kardashian's style going to be? We're taking it for granted. We've adapted to this new world now of Kim being a big hitter in the fashion world. It was not always that just a few years ago. So it was, Kim was a muse. Kim is like Kanye's muse. She's the muse of other major fashion designers, but Kim doesn't have vision. So I guess that's what's interesting about this point, that we're seeing the documentation of Kim asserting herself to have her own vision. That's a big change. And it just maps not only the rupture from Kanye and like the um, project that they've clearly had to make her an independent entity, taking all of the lessons she learned from Kanye, but then all, but then like flying on her own. For a while there, she would still, even with the divorce stuff, attribute Kanye to, you know, helping her be able to do that and be able to like level up 
And now it's just, she's saying not too long ago, I didn't know how to dress myself. That's clearly a reference to like the Kardashian scene where Kanye's helping her dress, like helping her dress for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no mention of Kanye in that statement now. Yeah. It like impresses the entire history that used to be Kim's mythology as made by Kanye, his sort of this Bengali like relationship to quote Jenny from the L word Mm -hmm. into now it's just a wink. I didn't know how to dress myself before. It's all been compressed into one sentence. We've moved on. Right. Yeah. He was just like kind of like a footnote. Yeah, a footnote in like the larger story of her like growth and development. And I think this is just like we see this time and time again. And this has been your whole thing, MJ, with like Kim's story is like she just keeps like pat like passing these thresholds. And she even like mentions it when she's talking about how she feels the vulnerability of leveling up to be this creative director. She's like, that was me with SNL. That was me with XYZ. So like that's just, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of more of that story of like, fuck, where's she going to go next? In a right. way that like is kind of scary this season, as we're seeing, like it's, it's like there is in the, in this like late capitalist world, there's no ceiling. And like, she is the representation of that. Yes. And we keep seeing how she keeps passing ceilings. And it uh, runs and it's and like, that- oh shit, how big can this like thing get? How big can it get? How long can it run? How powerful can it get? Right. And and at the end of it, it just looks like a really polioli. Seriously. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I'll add, and then we'll wrap it up. They're setting the stage for this Kim Courtney drama to come. And what's so crucial to your point about how it keeps getting bigger and that's so uncomfortable it would be so painful to watch and so alienating for audiences if it was just Kim keeps just blasting through these barriers and she is an engine, as you said last week, of late capitalism and that's it. It'd be it'd be it'd be a gnarly, really polioly situation. But that's where the value of the multi member expansive family system comes in. For sure. Player can come in and cut it down, be mad about it, bring him back to earth say harsh shit like it's who she is to her core and say what the audience wants to say Mm -hmm. so it still uh, subsumes the audience responses into the kardashian simulacrum and owns us because there's a character within the family saying what everyone's feeling and beating us to the punch yes that then we can still relate to so then we're like like it gets it it brings us in even more because it's like it personalizes what's ultimately like a brand deal like it it puts like personal stories and faces and like and that's what she said kim was not wrong in that meta scene when she's like the function of the show to me has always been to like help people with what they're going through they understand that the show is like a mythology so they it's like this like double semiotic function of like on one hand ultimately only being just a collection of brands interacting with each other. But what it looks like is a family of people who like more or less have a family structure, like anyone else in America, like talking and fighting and eating and laughing. Mm -hmm. So it's just like scary and insidious. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. It's so crucial. And then it's another case where they're kind of like, Kim and Chloe give so much. And like you said, they give in different ways. And we'll leave it to the audience to like share what they what they believe those ways are. But Courtney does give a lot in the sense that like, her bitchiness, her reactionary kind of nature, her criticism of the brand, how much she gave with her Scott shit, how much she gives with her PDA shit now, her big picture transformation into this like rock wife. Like Courtney's given a lot in her own way, even though I get so bored watching her scenes. Totally. Let's give a quick shout out to the MPC of the episode, which is the dude at the Tea Time restaurant that Kylie was at with her friend and Stormy. And at a certain point, Kylie like gets distracted by her phone. And then we just see in the background, like this waiter having to deal with Stormy and just like (laughs) keep her having to just like babysit Stormy while Kylie's doing something. And that moment was like, kind of like sad too. We didn't really acknowledge like that there was a genuine disconnect between her and Kendall while she's trying to reminisce with Kendall. And she like brought Kendall into like a cute reminiscing sissy moment, but then like completely detached as well. So <laughs> Kylie being like disconnected from the world and then a service person having to step in and deal with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah. And that's again, why we do the NPC segment. Let's honor the real hardworking people that are just trying to make a buck within the Kardashian universe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Do not forget to like and subscribe if that's what you do with podcasts. I'm still confused about that. But do whatever you need to do to keep listening. To keep up. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 